Well, one of my favorite biblical words or theological words is the word provision. I like it because it's a relational word. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about God's provision for your life. And I want to just say this right now. There's something that, there's a lot of things we all have in common, but here's, here's one of the things that may be overlooked. Every person in here, I dare say, has made a financial mistake sometime in their life. It just, it just happens, guys. In fact, our country is interesting. You know, there are the very few, the very few elite where generational wealth is passed on. Uh, but most Americans deal with some kind of financial mistake. And if you, if you really begin to study the biographies of some of the more wealthier people in our nation, a lot of them have a bankruptcy in their past, or they've had a misstep, or they've been covered over by a mentor, or have had some kind of special situation. So we're in the season of Easter, and last week, you know, we, we, this place was packed uh, twice, and a third time was, was just as full as the services right now uh, on that Saturday night service. And then we, are, we were preaching God's forgiveness, God's grace, God's mercy over sin. There's nothing you do that God can't forgive. I mean, that is true, and it's just as true today as we are in the Easter season as it was at the beginning of the Easter season on uh, last Sunday. And so, yeah, we, 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 we give the message over and over again that God's mercy covers our sins. But when it comes to financial mistakes, man, we are a lot of times without mercy, especially suburban people. I'm going to give you my theory why. Now, there are some great public financial counselors, and, and these, some of these famous guys and ladies have impacted my life in a positive way. I'm so grateful for them. But there's an entertainment kind of aspect to giving financial advice um, commercially. And so you'll hear a scenario like this. Someone will call the financial guru. How much of a car payment do you have? And they'll give a number and then he'll respond, that's so stupid. Are you stupid to have a car payment that much? And, you know, it's, it's kind of entertaining, and, and it may even have truth to it. And I think a lot of preachers like me who have listened to financial advice like that, so then because of that, when we minister God's word, like we show mercy for big sins, like huge sins. But when it comes to getting in financial trouble, it's like we take on that persona of like, you're dumb, man. You're dumb if you're in debt. You're dumb if you've done something stupid. And here's the truth. Like most people, the reason they've made bad financial decisions are usually out of good motivations. I mean, they're, they're just trying to get an education or they're trying to take their family out to dinner or they're trying to, they're tired of car trouble. And, and yeah, maybe it wasn't the best decision, but it probably came out of a good motive. So the passage I want to share with you today, I want you to hear this, that you are under the grace and mercy for God, not just for your sins, but for your financial mistakes. And I I want you to have hope today. I want you to have peace today. We do the practical work that's equally as important. And so in August, we have scheduled to start, you know, a financial class to help people with tools and and there's there's resources between now and then. But on a basic level, I want you, I want you to know that the Lord loves you today and the Lord loves you and covers you even if you've made a poor financial decision. 
I know that because I've made poor financial decisions. But I've also made good financial decisions, and so have you. So have you too. And sometimes we got to focus on the good and not just the bad. So now let's go to the scripture. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter chapter 4. And as you're finding that, I, I want to just expand a little bit on the word provision. What does the word provision mean? It means you've been provided for. So sometimes you can, you can see that word in uh, popular language. Like let's say there's, a, there's an army and provisions were made for that army. Provisions were made. That's a word that was more common maybe a few decades ago. But the idea is you're provided for. Provision means that you're provided for. And I want you to hear today through this story that God is your provision. God is your provision. God is the one who provides for you. And I want you to hear this today. God cares about your finances and your financial mistakes are not outside of his mercy and grace. That's where we're going today because he loves you. He's your father. He's going to provide for you. So here's the story. In verse 1 of 2 Kings chapter 4, one of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, has died. You know that your servant feared the Lord. Now the creditor is coming to take my two children as his slaves. Verse 2, Elisha asked her, what can I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. And then he said, go out and borrow empty containers from all your neighbors. Do not get just a few. Then go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into all these containers. Set the full ones to the side. Verse five, so she left. And after she had shut the door behind her, And her sons, they kept bringing her containers, and she kept pouring. And when they were full, she said to her son, bring me another container. But he replied, there aren't any more. Then the oil stopped. Verse 7, she went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. You and your sons can live on the rest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this woman was a widow, and she was a widow of one of the prophets who worked with Elisha. And I know ministry is good to a lot of people. Ministry has been good to me financially, but that's not always the case. There's a lot of people who have sacrificially done ministry as a vocation. I don't know if you picked up from Mauricio that he and Renee for 10 years were part-time Youth pastors, they worked a full-time, Mauricio worked a a 40-hour-a-week job and did youth ministry. And I'm so glad because of your generosity that he's able to enter into a new era of ministry. And so it's very common. Most pastors in America are bivocational. They work another job. And I respect those men and women. I mean, they are worthy of respect. They have hard jobs, difficult jobs. And so we know that, that in the ministry... In the ministry that not, not, people don't necessarily get rich. Very few people do. And this was the case here. Here was a widow and her husband, we can imagine, as a prophet, as one of the, the company, part of the company of prophets, you know, had not left her provisions. 
and she was now in overwhelming debt. Overwhelming debt. And in that culture, in that system, the answer was her sons to go into slavery and to, to go in and, and to pay through, through service that debt off and to lose their own personal freedom and their own personal future. So this word today is for those, those of you here and, and you know those who are in overwhelming debt. I want you to know that there's a miracle even if you're in overwhelming debt. God doesn't say, I'm going to forgive your sin. I'm going to heal you of a disease. I'm going to open doors. But if you're in debt, I'm checking out. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God is saying this. I care about your finances, and I'm going to provide for you. And as you begin to see that filter, that the provision of God is an extension of the character of God. And it starts in the book of Genesis as he begins to provide for Adam and Eve a covering they need. And it went all through the Bible, through Abraham's descendants, the Jewish people. God's provided for them through every type of difficult circumstance. To Jesus, who now invited us into the gospel story, those of us who are Gentiles. And he has provided for his people all through scripture. He has provided for his people. So in this story, we know that there's a guy named Elisha. Now, before him, in 1 Kings, there was a guy named Elijah. And a good, you know, sometimes you can get those confused, and you can remember J comes before S. So if you don't remember anything today, there's a memorization technique you can remember. Uh, my great-great-grandfather, of course, I never met him, but his name was Elisha, and his twin brother was Elijah. Could you imagine how confusing that can be? Already, those of you who name your kids with the first, the same first letter, you've already confused me. But the Elijah, Elisha thing would be even more difficult. So um, here, here it was that, that we find earlier in Scripture a very similar story. And you can look this up later. It's a new version. Or you can write it down in 1 Kings 17. There's a whole story about Elijah with the J providing God's miracle for a widow with oil. And now we see here in 2 Kings 4 that God is providing another miracle with oil. Now, this is what I want you to hear today. We, we, we may incorrectly think, oh, would it, it, wouldn't, it would be so great if there was an Elijah or there was an Elisha and some kind of miracle could happen for me financially like it happened for these women. I want to tell you there's something greater. There's someone greater than Elijah and Elisha, and it's the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God is alive and is active and he's indwelling you. And I want you to hear this today, that God is a provider that's in his nature. He provides for his children. He provides for his sons. He provides for his daughters. And the Holy Spirit of God is not disconnected from your finances. He is involved in your finances and he cares about the details of those. Today, the Lord is saying, through this story, there is hope. Through this story, there is involvement. Through this story, there is intervention. And I love this song out of Psalm 37, verse 25. Uh, David wrote this, and he said, I have, never been young, I have never been young, and now I am old. Yet, I have not seen the righteous abandoned are his children begging for bread. This, is, this other version say, I was young and now that I'm old, I've never seen the righteous abandoned are his children begging for bread. And so the concept here is this, is that God's children are not beggars. We're recipients. 
We're recipients because we have his character involved in our life. He's our provider. I, I know, I know that financial stress is overwhelming. I know that some of you are really scared right now. Some of you look into the future and it can be a scary thing. I was talking to a friend, one of my best friends in the world. He's a little older than me. And he said about him and his wife, he said, we are scared of the future because we haven't prepared for the future. And we talked it through and we prayed it through. And, and this is a reality. And, and we don't, we don't, look away from numbers. We don't look away from, from the data because that's part of God's provision is understanding what's happening. But brothers and sisters, I'm here to preach faith to you today. And I'm here to say that whatever financial challenge you have, it's not, you're not alone. You're not, it's not something that you have to go through by yourself. The Lord cares about that. And the Lord wants to get involved here in the suburban culture that we're in is that there's great shame over financial trouble and we try to hide it and we try to fake it and we try to act like, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much it costs to go out to eat or how much the car costs or how much the clothes. We got it because we have no financial trouble. And on the inside, we're like, oh man, that's a lot. That's a lot. I don't know how I'm going to do that. Listen, God, God understands what you're going through internally and he's with you. And he cares and he's involved and he doesn't want you to disconnect him from your financial need. And this is a promise, ancient wisdom from that Psalm 37. That the more you walk with God, the more you see he takes care of his children. The more you walk with the Lord, you see that he comes through for his kids. Part of faith is experience. That we know that the financial trouble we're going through right now... God's going to get us through the financial trouble that we have right now, that he's going to come through in an unexpected way. One of the great privileges I have being a pastor for so long is that these miraculous stories of financial breakthrough where God comes at an unexpected time in an unexpected way, when God was up to something, when people couldn't understand the financial challenges of today. And if you're faithful to the Lord and you hold to his promises and you hold to his character, and if you believe that the same God of scripture is the same God alive today, and the scripture says he's not a respecter of persons. And so he moves through Elijah and Elisha and the lady who, who was a widow of the prophet. If he moved in them, he's going to move in your situation also. You know, one of the frequent questions that, that we have in our house, uh, especially since only three of us live there all the time, instead of the five of us, as it was for all those years, is the question is, are we going to cook or are we going to go out tonight? And, we're, and so that question comes up. My wife's a very good cook, but you understand our, 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 you know, our schedules are complex. And so Sometimes that's a value decision, whether or not we're cooking for two or three, whether or not Lincoln's coming home that night, all of that. So that's a question that comes up a lot. Are we going to cook or are we going to go out? So when we decide to cook, you know, you got to go to the store usually because you're missing this ingredient or that ingredient. But sometimes, and it happened last night, and I'd already written this illustration a few days before. Sometimes when you decide to cook, all of the ingredients are already in the kitchen. 
And that's a cool, cool feeling because now I know some of you who are super organized, like my sister, she buys all the ingredients like three months ahead of time. So, but you just make us sick, Shelby. So just, you know, that's just, that's just a disease you have that uh, you you can plan meals three months in advance. The rest of us are normal. So um, I say that with respect, with respect, uh, total, total respect, because I've had a lot of great meals that Scott and Shelby have provided for me. But um, when I hear my wife booing me from the sound booth, I know, uh-oh, that wasn't good. I'm in trouble there. But that's a 1045 extra credit story for you. But when I say this, like when, when we decide to cook at home and all of the ingredients are already there, I always say it's a free meal. That's what I say because the money's already been spent, right? I mean, we don't have to spend any extra money. We don't have to go out to eat. We don't have to run, run to Kroger. All of the ingredients are in the house. That's a great feeling. I'm like, it's a free meal tonight. Uh, we're getting ready, you know, to, to do some spring cleaning, and you are too. Even if you haven't planned on it, you'll realize you're going to want to get rid of your sweaters and coats pretty soon. And I just want to give you a word from the Lord. If it's the fifth winter in a row that sweater doesn't fit, let it go. It's not going to fit next year either. Okay. Let it go. Give it away. And so, so we start giving away, uh, you know, giving away our winter clothes or reorganizing them. Isn't it cool when you rediscover something you had forgotten about or it was lost and you're like, Oh, I forgot I had that shirt or I had those shorts or I forgot about that decoration piece. And, and here it is. It's already been bought. And it's already been in your house. You just forgot about it. And, and you just now rediscovered what you already had. Here's my first point today. Is provision often starts in your house. Provisions chapter 4. Elisha asked her, what can I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. A lot of times when we're looking for God to provide and we're looking for provision, we begin to play like the lottery game. Oh, Lord, I just send me the right lottery ticket. Tonight, Lord, I need the lottery. We, we begin to imagine God's provision being a raise from the boss, a relevant, uh, excuse me, a relative that bails us out of a jam. We think God's provision will be that deal that we haven't closed yet. And we think if, if someone would just give me a break, if someone would just give me a chance, and we're going to find out as this teaching unfolds that relationship is an important part of how God moves. But for this point, I want to emphasize that question that Elisha asked her. What do you have in the house? What do you already have? Biblical scholars, they, they tend to think that this single jar of oil was a very small one. It wasn't one of those big jars that you cook with. It's like we have over here, these, these little jars that, that we, we bought at the Christian bookstore years ago that has anointing oil so that we can anoint people uh, according to James chapter five. And so that's just something that we do and we'll do for you if you're sick, uh, if you need God to, to heal you physically. But let's just imagine that this was the only type of jar that she had. That, that's what some scholars think. It wasn't like something holding vast amounts of oil. And so here it is, a small little jar. And this represents maybe what we've overlooked, what we think is too small, what we think is not significant enough. Here it is that Elisha said, what do you already have in the house? 
And I just want to speak this as we're using this as a metaphor today, that there's something already in your house. And it, it might seem that there's nothing left. It might seem that you've exhausted all of your resources. But God can use the last little bit that you can identify. And when his power and his faith comes across, he can take what is seen as little in your eyes or in the eyes of the world, and he can multiply that. God can use that last bit of talent that you can muster up. And you can say, I'm tired of trying, and, but I'm going to give it just one more one more chance. The last few dollars that you have in your account. You might have had 99 ideas that have failed. But it's that 100th idea that is the breakthrough. It might seem small. It might seem insignificant. But the word of the Lord to that lady was, what is in your house? Some of you have said, I have too low of an income to ever get out of debt. I don't have enough skill to advance in my career. I lack the education. I don't have enough connections in my industry or in my field. But God says, don't look at what you don't have. Look at what's already in your house. Because when God gets involved, he'll take something small and he will provide a miracle in that. I want you to be encouraged today that you won't be in debt forever. Listen, you can run the math numbers and, and those that's important to do. We'll talk about that in a second, but that's not the final word. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is your provider and God's economy is greater than man's economy. And in faith, we can see that God loves us. God has mercy over us. God has provision for us and he's going to provide what we need. Listen, you may have heard me teach on prayer in the past, and I don't have a sophisticated teaching on prayer. I mean, I have those in my files, but I've got a real simple thing to teach. Start listing all the things you're worried about. And the scripture says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And your worry list becomes your prayer list. So I begin to put down, type out... uh, different things that I'm concerned about, specific financial needs. And I don't want to pray about those forever because I'd rather pray for the loss. I'd rather pray for the church and for you. But it's just on one of my lists that I get to a few times a week, a couple of times a week maybe. And it's like, okay, these are my financial needs. It's not the top of my prayer list, but it's in there. And those prayer needs, as, you be- as we begin to track those, you begin to watch and see if you have a financial need and you begin to give it to the Lord. You begin to give it to the Lord and he's going to be Begin to provide. He may provide you discipline. He may provide you wisdom. He might provide you a new idea. He might provide unexpected bonuses. He might provide unexpected checks. That's when you get a little more excited. Yeah, wisdom's good, but uh, all that. He'll provide in ways you can't imagine when you trust him as your provider. So God wants to do that for you. You know, I have owned a lot of cars in my life. And they've all been used cars. And currently, I've got, I'm blessed to have five cars. They're all used cars because we have five drivers. And so um, that's a lot to manage. That's a lot of oil changes. There's a lot of tire rotations. And then there's a lot of mechanical issues. So we're just managing car. I mean, all the time I'm managing vehicle stuff. The problem is, guys, I am mechanically declined, not mechanically inclined. So I, mean, I just am not good at mechanical stuff. I can't, you know, I just, just, that's just not where my gift is and, and where my experience is. And so what's happened over all these years with more dozens and dozens of cars I've owned is that part of how God has provided for me is through other people. And, and if we had time to talk about these, I I don't want to bore you, but I, I can 
list. I could think of six or seven times right now of when I've had what I call divine breakdowns. Like the car has coasted into the driveway at home. I mean, if it, it would have it broke down one, one block before, I would have been pushing it or I would have been towing it. Or the car has broken down at, 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 at strategic times where people could help me and people could be there for me. And, and this is just an example of how a lot of times God provides, this is a kingdom principle through relationships. In fact, um, I like this little phrase. Your, your relationships today are the answer to your prayers tomorrow. That's not scripture, but it's a neat principle. Your relationships today are your answer to your prayers tomorrow. And I've seen that true in my life. When I've, I've needed someone's expertise, I've needed someone's advice, I've needed someone's help. It's the relational work and being part of a community like this. And that, being part of that community gives you a chance for God to answer your prayer through other people. If I haven't given my second point, it's this. Provision comes through people's help. Often that God, through the kingdom, he uses other people for prayers to be answered, which means he uses you as an answer to someone else's prayer. Isn't that wonderful how God does that? Second Kings chapter 4, verse 3. Then he said, go out and borrow empty containers from all your neighbors. Don't just get a few. This was inviting the community to get involved, inviting the community to participate. This was a, there was a sense of probably humility in her to have to ask for help. And sometimes that's a difficult thing for us to do. And I've noticed that in suburban culture is that sometimes we don't ask for help because of our pride. But the, the transferable truth is, is that the community matters. And as we pray for one another, and as we discover each other's stories, and as we're involved in each other's lives, often God uses our service to one another as an answer to someone's prayer. You are an answer to someone else's prayer. Your expertise, your experience, the mistakes you've you've gone through, the wisdom you've accumulated, the availability that you have, the the listening ear that you give. These are gifts to the community, and it's a way that God is answering the prayer for somebody else. I want to remind you this morning, God has placed people around you strategically, strategically. It's not an accident. You, you know the people you know. It's not an accident you're in a 242 group with them. You're in a women's Bible study with them. It's not an accident that you guys all sit left back and you guys all sit center right because that proximity is often part of the answer to our prayer because God moves through the community. Here's the last thing, number four. Once God provides, provision takes effort. Sometimes the blessing of God means more work. <laughs> he blesses us with more work. The, the reward for work, Jacob said this one time, is work. Reward for work, and we know that parable, the parables of, of Jesus that he said those who bury their talent, that's all they get. But those who invest get more. And we see this now in verse 4 of 2 Kings 4. Then go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into all these containers. Set the full ones to the side. So she left, and after she had shut the door behind her sons, they kept bringing her containers, and she kept pouring I want you to know that Elijah, Elisha asked her to participate actively in God's work 
for the miracle. One of the things that happen when we're in overwhelming debt or we're, we're underneath, we feel underwater financially, is we're so overwhelmed we don't want to do anything. We just kind of shrink back and ignore it. And that's what I wanted to say earlier, our reference, that we need to list the debts. We need to look at the numbers. We need to know what's there. And then just take, take the lowest hanging fruit and, and ask the Lord to help you, help you take a step. That's part of how we pour. We just, we just pour. You know, if it's a medical bill and it seems overwhelming, call them. They'll let you an appointment for, with a financial, uh, with, with someone who gives financial advice. Be careful making appointments with financial counselors because they, they usually, that means they have product to sell you. And so anyway, hope I didn't offend anyone in here. But someone who cares about your finances, uh, you know, set up an appointment with them. You know, take a step and listen, just, just pour that. Just pour. Your participation is part of God's work. Guys, I want you to be encouraged by this today. I, 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 the biggest, one of the biggest takeaways from this portion of the sermon was for you to just have hope, to not disconnect God, that overwhelming debt. He helped that widow get out of it in a miraculous way, and he can help you do that. Yes, there's practical steps, but there's also, also miraculous steps in front of us.